Those McCoy guys are tall. Do you know what stinks about teaching the last sermon at youth camp? <laughs> Actually, that's true. Someone said it stinks in here. Like, literally, yes, that's true. Uh, one thing that stinks about teaching the last session is that all week long you hear all the other teachers take your material. Like, I have notes written down, and I'm like, oh, okay, cross that out, cross that out, rewrite that, okay. The other thing that stinks is you're tempted on the last day right now to feel like youth camp is over. Youth camp is not over. All right, can everybody have a big cheer? Youth camp is not over. But just in case you're tempted. I told you it was coming. Stand up. Oh, sit down. Stand up like you mean it. Okay, now, give someone a double high five right next to you. Okay, you're gonna need a part. You're gonna need a partner for this one. All right, sit down. Sit down. We're gonna start the easy way. Here's how this works. The song is "My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean." Sing it with me. My Bonnie lies over the sea. My Bonnie lies over the ocean. So bring back my Bonnie to me. Bring back. Bring back, oh, bring back my Bonnie to me, to me. Bring back, bring back, oh, bring back my Bonnie to me. Now, if you've never done this before, here's how it works. Every time you sing a word that starts with the letter B, you stand up if you're sitting, and you sit down if you're standing. Okay, you ready? Got it? Got your feet squarely on the floor? Here we go, ready? My Bonnie lies over the ocean. My Bonnie lies over the sea. My Bonnie lies over the ocean. So bring back my Bonnie to me. You should be sitting. Here we go. Bring back, bring back. Oh, bring back my Bonnie to me, to me. Bring back, bring back. Oh, bring back my Bonnie to me. Now we're going to level this up a little bit, okay? You need a partner. You got to make sure that your partner and you both have a place to sit, and you got to be able to make sure you can reach your partner because here's what we're going to do this time. Every time you sing a word that starts with the letter B, you're going to change positions just like you just did. But this time, every time you also sing a word that starts with the letter O, you're going to give each other a double high five. All right? Do you notice, do you notice we're on a theme here? We're dealing with B-O, okay? It's like a theme running through the whole thing, right? Can we just practice one phrase just to make sure you got it nice and slowly? Here we go, ready? My Bonnie lies over the ocean. There you go, see? My Bonnie lies over the sea. My Bonnie lies over the ocean. So bring back my Bonnie to me. Now the O in the middle of the chorus is going to be the hard one. Bring back, bring back, oh, bring back my Bonnie to me, to me. Bring back, bring back, 
Oh, bring back my body to me. All right, now faster. Someone is probably going to get hurt. Here we go. One. Ready? Here we go. And my Bonnie lies over the ocean. My Bonnie lies over the sea. My Bonnie lies over the ocean. So bring back my Bonnie to me. Bring back, bring back. Oh, bring back my Bonnie to me, to me. Bring back, bring back. Oh, bring back my Bonnie to me. Awesome. Woo! I'm going to go all sh- 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 I'm going to go all game show host and hold this mic while I teach. I feel like I should give away a refrigerator or something. Okay, hey, what time is it? What time is it? What time is it? Yeah. So let's think back to the beginning of youth camp, okay? We've been reviewing all week, but we haven't reviewed yet in this way. If you think back to Wednesday, who was the very first biblical character that Mr. Marshall taught about? Yes. Yes. I don't have any candy, so sorry. This is just for fun, okay? David, and the point, one of the main points, I'm not even sure if it was the main point. It's the one stuck in my head, was that God doesn't care about outward appearance. He looks at the heart. Wednesday evening, Judah Thomas was here. <laughs> you trying to get me to hand out candy. Um, Judah Thomas was here. Who was his character? You got to think hard because he only talked about him for a little bit. Who was it? Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, right? And Judah had you say, it is no longer, it is no longer I. What was Jeremiah's objection when he was called by the Lord? What was he concerned about? I'm only a youth. I'm a kid, Lord. And the Lord said, that is irrelevant. Okay, your age is irrelevant. Wednesday morning, we had breakout sessions, and I walked around to all the breakout sessions, and the teachers were amazing. Kara Smith, Kay McCoy, Satin, Marshall, Levi, McCracken. Who were the biblical characters that we talked about? Beezy. And? <laughs> and? Ruth and Joseph. What was the main point, the main topic? Henry. In humility, finding purpose in humility. And we heard things like Kara Smith gave this great analogy, if you weren't in her session, about how humility was the soil out of which all the fruit of the Spirit grow. Like that is going to stick with me. Like think of humility as this soil and this tree bearing all this fruit is growing out of that. I heard Kay say the first step in finding his purpose for your life is to surrender our lives to Christ. For those of you who are in Mr. McCoy's uh, meeting, you remember that? Okay, then that was Wednesday. Wednesday evening, Scott Wigner was here. Who was the biblical character? By the way, when I say character, don't let your mind think like characters in a fictional story. These are real human beings like you. They just lived a long time ago. And the Lord saw fit to put them all in a book, which you now have in your hand and you get to read about them. But these are real people. Real people, not just characters. But who was Wednesday night? Scott Wigner talked about, yes, Moses. Moses, that was finding strength in your inadequacy. And the thing that uh, Mr. Wigner said that stuck out to me was, you will be controlled by what? 
the object of your focus. You will be controlled by the object of your focus. Now, that brings us to yesterday morning. We had two breakout sessions with Scott Dietrich and Cynthia Snyder. Who was the character? Who was it? I keep seeing the same hands. Alana. Peter, right? And that was all about making mistakes and moving on from mistakes. Uh, girls, did Peter's story end with his denial of Christ? No, right? Does your story end when you make mistakes and fall and screw up? No, it does not. Boys, what does commitment look like? What it's committed to. And he, if you weren't, if you didn't hear this, Scott said the coolest thing. Like you can see that worked out when you watch the Olympics. You can turn on the Olympics when they happen every four years, and you can tell which athletes are which without being told. Like swimmers look like swimmers, right? Because they're committed to that. They've been committed their whole lives. And swimmers don't look like those big power lifters. Power lifters don't look like swimmers. They don't look like marathoners. Marathoners look like marathoners. You can tell what they've been committed to because it's what they look like. And those of us who are committed to Christ should become, be looking more and more like him all the time. Okay? And that brings us to last night. Who did Mr. Ryer teach about? Yes. Paul, right? And he said a lot of great things. He had several points. One of the things, which wasn't even one of his main points, I don't think, unless I'm remembering incorrectly, but it really stuck with me was this. You are in the safest place when you are weak. You are in the most dangerous place when you are self-confident. You remember that? You're in the safest place when you recognize your weakness and rely on Christ. You are in the most dangerous place when you think you can handle it yourself. So that brings us to the last session of Youth Camp. And if you have your little book, what's the title? Somebody else the title? Finding Courage in Your Uncertainty. But do we have that up here? Because I made a little change to the, oh, the thing's closed. Go. I want you to do that. Can you do that to your title? Joshua, Finding Courage in Your Uncertainty. And I crossed out the word finding and I crossed out the word your. There's a reason for that. I want you to think about this as courage in uncertainty. Why did I cross out the word finding? Well, here's why. You would have to be on another planet this week if you don't know where to find courage because we've been talking all week about where you find security and confidence and purpose and strength and humility and forgiveness and grace. They all come from the same place. Where do they come from? Yes, it's the Sunday school answer. They come from the Lord, right? We find them, we find all of those things by being in Christ. It's a pretty good bet that that's where we're going to find our courage too. So let's take out the word finding because I don't think you're going to have to look very hard for it today. All right, it's found. And the reason I crossed out the word your, we're going to get into this a little bit more later, but uncertainty is not something that I want you to think about owning. It's a thing but I don't want it, you to like claim it as your own. And I'll tell you what I mean by that later. So we're going to cross those out. The new title is Courage in Uncertainty. Now let's talk about the other things in there. What about courage? What is that? Okay, it's a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer. But here's, here's what I think. When I'm trying to figure out what something is, sometimes I have to figure out what it, what it isn't. For example... At home, on our counter in our kitchen, we have a bowl that we put fruit in. 
and there are bananas in there, and sometimes there are apples and oranges and whatever. For some reason, we also keep the garlic in that bowl. Garlic isn't fruit, I don't think, right? Garlic's not fruit, right? I don't think so. No, I've never noticed a garlicky taste to our fruit. But when, I, when I'm trying to go to get some garlic to cook whatever, which I don't do very often, but, um, you know, I got to look at them and like, okay, that's banana. That is not garlic. Isn't that, that's not garlic. Ah, there's the garlic. Okay, it usually ends up on the bottom, right? So I can identify what garlic is by knowing first what it isn't. Same thing with courage. Here's what courage is not. Courage is not, you can write this down, courage is not the absence of fear or fear-inducing circumstances. Now, I use the word fear, but you could say anxiety. It's not the absence of anxiety or anxiety-inducing circumstances. Or you could say absence of discomfort or discomfort-inducing circumstances. Like, fill in the blank with whatever. But what it's, my point is, is that it does not mean... To have courage does not mean that your circumstances have to be just right, have to be perfect, just the way that you would want them to be. And it also doesn't mean that you have to be some kind of like superhero who never feels anxiety or fear. Because guess what? You're a human being. So you're going to feel those things. Now that we have that out of the way, we can figure out what courage is. Courage is recognizing those things, feeling that sense sometimes of fear or of anxiety or whatever, but doing the thing anyway. Doing the thing that you're called to anyway, despite the circumstances being kind of scary at times. Now, there are lots of examples of courage in life. We can... We can think of all kinds of people who have acted heroically even and have displayed courage. But in this setting, we want to think about what courage is biblically. So write down this too. Biblical courage, biblical courage is trusting the one who equips to accomplish it. And I put it in quotes because it could be different depending on what you've been called to. Okay. Whatever the thing is that the Lord's calling you to, biblical courage is in the face of lousy circumstances, of difficult things, of peer pressure, of feeling a sense of like, there ain't no way I'm doing that because something bad's going to happen. It's in the face of all of that, you trust the one who equips you to accomplish the thing he's called you to do. This is what Judah was talking about the other day when he said, do we trust this chair to hold our weight? Well, yeah, we do. Courage is actually then doing it, right? That's trusting the one that I'm trusting to keep me from falling, right? Okay? So that's biblical courage. What time is it? Now. The time is now, right? So that's courage. Let's talk about uncertainty. Why do we need courage? Well, that's because life, our lives, our existence is filled on a daily basis with a lot of uncertainty. And I could give you like a book definition of uncertainty, but I thought it would be easier just to tell you like what's in my head when I'm talking about that word. So write this down. I keep telling you to write things down. You better write small. All right. It says this, uncertainty. I, when I say it says this, I mean this is what's in my brain. We don't know what is going to happen in a particular situation. That's what I mean by uncertainty. 
we don't know what is going to happen in any particular situation. Do you know why? Because we're not omniscient. Omniscient means that we would know every single thing that can happen or every piece of knowledge that there is, we would know it. Who's the only one who's omniscient? The Lord, right? We are not God, so we can't know what's going to happen. Let me show you what I mean. How many people, raise your hand, please. I want you to answer this question. Who here can tell me what is going to happen in the next 10 seconds? What do you think? You're going to keep listening. Oh, we move it, 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 oh, we move it. In the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. In the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. You're in big trouble. All right. So here's the, did I miss a lot of thoughts? Okay, you get it off of you. The backstory on that little event that just happened is that last night after the meeting, I pulled the guys together and I said, listen, tomorrow in my message, I'm going to say, can anyone here predict what's going to happen in the next 10 seconds? And I want you to do something outlandish. Don't tell me what it's going to be. Just do something. <laughs> so I had no idea that was coming. Like, I was thinking more like stand up and sing, I'm a little teapot. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't, ah. Uh, everything smells like sugar. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, no one in this room, I'm guessing, including myself, guessed that that was going to happen in the next 10 seconds, right? Grady Smith's got a pretty good voice. Can I demonstrate this another way that doesn't involve any whipped cream? Can everybody take a look at this video, all right? This is, this is another just demonstration of like how we can't determine what's gonna happen. No, wait, before you put the video up there, let me, let me say this. Have you ever like tried to tell a joke and you like deliver the joke and before you get to the punchline, someone else says the punchline because they know the joke? Isn't that like so disappointing? Okay, so listen, if you've seen this video, keep your mouth shut, all right? Don't ruin it for everybody else. We good? No, well, I don't know. Okay, just watch. Okay, now here we've got a penalty kick, right? Guy out here in the front is going to kick that soccer ball. The guy in front of the goal is going to block it. Now, here's what I want you to guess. Let's take a vote. Your options are he scores to the right of the goalie, he scores to the left of the goalie, or he doesn't score at all. Those are your three choices. Ready? Raise your hand if you think he scores to the right. Raise your hand if you think he scores to the left. Raise your hand if you think he doesn't score at all. Okay, we got a mixed bag. All right, let's see what happens, actually. <laughs> all right. So if you ever, by the way, if you ever want to see that again, it's on YouTube, and you have to search, I could watch this a thousand times and still laugh. That's what the video is called, all right? 
Uncertainty. None of us knew what was going to happen. The goalie didn't know what was going to happen either, right? He thought that was going to be an easy penalty kick. I just got to block this ball, and he took it right in the face. That's what uncertainty is. We don't know what's going to happen at any given moment. Now, to demonstrate these issues, this, this idea of courage in not knowing what's going to happen in our immediate future, we're going to look at one more real human being from the Bible, and his name is Joshua. Where do we find Joshua in the Bible? Good for you. I, I heard someone say Joshua because everybody like, well, it's the book of Joshua, right? He's got a book named after him. He actually shows up in Exodus. And then he's in Numbers and Deuteronomy. And the reason I tell you that is because Joshua does not fit into some of the categories we've talked about this week. When Joshua shows up in Exodus, he is handpicked by Moses to be his like right-hand man assistant. Joshua is not a nobody, right? Joshua is not inadequate. He's got skills. Moses picks him, and he's Moses' right-hand man. He ends up, like, leading armies and winning battles, and he's, like he's kind of like a big deal, right? And we're going to look at two moments. There are lots of things in the book of Joshua that we could look at, but we're going to look at two moments in Joshua's life that demonstrate courage in uncertainty. The first one is actually in Numbers, so you guys can start turning to Numbers 13, and we're going to make this point. This is another one I want you to write down. I want you to say this. How Joshua and you, except I want you to write and I, because when you look at this in your notes later, I want it to say and I. Everybody say and I. So jo how Joshua and I, which is what you're going to write, can face a bad report. How Joshua and I can face a bad report. So Joshua shows up in Exodus, he fights battles, he's Moses' guy, and the people of Israel are moving toward the promised land after the Exodus, you know, and they get to the border of the land that the Lord has promised, and they want to find out what's going on in there before they move in. And so Moses comes to Joshua, and he says, I want you and 11 other guys that you're going to go handpick I want you to go into the land and spy it out. So Joshua goes and he picks one leader from each of the tribes of Israel, plus himself, 12 guys, and they go in to the land and they kind of roam around for 40 days. And when they come back, this is what they say. This is Numbers 13, 25 through 28. It says this. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Now, I didn't include this part, but it says that when they found the fruit of the land, one cluster of grapes was so big that they had to carry it on a rod between two guys. So they're not like my little bowl of fruit at home, right? Like this is serious fruit. And they told him, we came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, however, bad news, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. So these guys go into this land, and they spend 40 days basically playing the world's most ultimate game of capture the flag, right? They're, 
they're traveling all around this land and they're checking things out and they're probably like disguised because they don't want the people there to know who they are because their plan is to come in and take the land. So they're being very secretive and they're checking things out and they're stealing some fruit and they come back and that's what they have to, s- to say, at least most of them. Listen what happens next. We're going to pick up in verse 30. Same thing, Numbers 13, verse 30. But Caleb quieted the people, which means there was like an uproar. They were like freaking out. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. They're really big. That's what they mean uh, earlier when they said the descendants of a knack. These were people who were like giants, large, strong. And the cities are fortified and they probably have huge armies. And these guys are scared. What are they doing that we learned on day one that God doesn't do? This is an open question. Answer it. What are they doing that we learned on the very first session Tyler, they're looking at what their eyes are telling them. They're judging by appearance. They're seeing the height of these guys. They're seeing the strength of their armies. They're seeing the fortified cities. And they're coming to the conclusion that they don't have a chance except for Caleb. And actually, we find out in the next chapter, it's Caleb and Joshua, who's our guy for the day, right? So flip your Bibles to the next chapter, Numbers 14. Look what it says in verse 6 through 9. And Joshua, the son of Nun, which by the way, how crazy would it be if your name was Nun? Can you imagine the, the confusion? Like, hey, what's your name? Nun. What, like, do you have a name or do you don't? You don't have a name? Yeah, Nun. <laughs> okay, so Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes just means they were really mad. They were really mad about the way these guys were reacting. And said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out, they're basically saying, hey, I was there too, is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bred for us. You remember what the other guy said? It's a land that devours its inhabitants. If we go in there, we're going to get devoured. Joshua and Caleb say, no, they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Do not fear them. What is the difference between the two reactions, the 10 guys on the one side saying, we don't have a chance, and the two guys who are saying, we should not wait another moment, let's go. What's the difference? Can any of those total 12 men see the future? Any of them? No, they all live in the same kind of uncertainty that we all do. They don't, they don't know. They're not omniscient either. Are, are, any of them in different circumstances. 
No, they all saw the same things. They all saw the same evidences. Are Caleb and Joshua some kind of like superheroes who just don't feel fear and so they're just willing to do anything? Well, we don't know for sure because it doesn't say that, but it's not likely. They're human beings, just like us. But they're the courageous ones. Why? Why? Because they're exercising biblical courage. And remember, biblical courage is trusting the one who equips to accomplish it. Do you notice that the grammar of that sentence is a little weird? You might expect it to say biblical courage is trusting the one who equips you to accomplish it. But there's no you in there. Now, the reality is he does equip you. He equips his people. But I left the you out of there because I don't want you to be thinking about you. That's not the point of biblical courage. The object of biblical courage is in the one who can accomplish it. It's not about you. It's about the strength and might and goodness and faithfulness and trustworthiness of God. That's what biblical courage is. It's not about you exercising courage. It's about you trusting him. Biblical courage is the same as practicing trust, standing on the chair, right? Standing up on the chair, practicing the trust in the chair. And, and there's a big difference. Maybe you should write this down too. There is a difference between, listen, believing that and believing in. There's a big difference bet between believing that and believing in. If you are in an airplane and you have a parachute, you can believe all day long that the parachute will keep you from splatting on the ground if you use it properly. Okay, You can say all day long that you think that that parachute is going to work, but you are not believing in the parachute until you put it on and jump. You see the difference? Believing that means that you think it's going to work, but believing in means you actually take the step of trust. Okay, two nights ago, I couldn't sleep, and I was up in the middle of the night, and uh, I was watching this uh, preacher teach, and he, used this, uh, he told this awesome story. Um, he, was a, he was a teacher of the Bible, but he also was a guy who professionally does criminal investigations. And so he was interviewing, he was telling the story that he was interviewing a police officer who had been involved in some kind of incident that involved the police officer having to use his firearm. Okay? And I don't know all the details, but this is kind of how it went. Police officer pulls over the guy, and who's like obviously intoxicated. His car's like waving all over the road. Gets him out of the car, and uh, he decides he's going to do one of those like pat-downs, right? He asks the guy to put his hands on the car. Well, the guy had a, a pistol in his waistband, did not want the police officer to find it, so he didn't want to put his hands on the car. And there's a little altercation, and sure enough, the police officer finds himself standing there with this criminal pointing a pistol at his chest. And he's just far enough away that he can't do anything. He's kind of like stuck in this position with this gun aimed at him, right? And he said in the interview that he had to decide what to do. And so he decided in that moment that he was wearing a, a bulletproof vest, that he was going to have to go for his own firearm, and he knew that when he did go for his own firearm, he was probably going to get shot. 
Okay, now I don't know if the criminal actually did. I don't know if anybody got shot in this situation. He didn't tell part of that, that part of the story. But the point of the story was the police officer did go for his gun, and the guy teaching said in that moment, that police officer went from believing that his bulletproof vest would work to believing in his bulletproof vest. Do you see the difference? Okay, if you're a police officer, you've probably been trained a million times how to wear those things. You've probably seen demonstrations of people shooting them and how they stop bullets. But until you are actually in a situation where you've got to trust that thing, you're not believing in it. You're only believing that it will work. There's a big difference. So what does that have to do with facing a bad report? So you get bad news. You're in a bad circumstance. You're asked to do something that looks really, really difficult. Here's what you're doing. You're not believing that the Lord will help you. You're believing in him. You're trusting in him. You're trusting in the one who is faithful to his word, has called you according to his purpose, and when you put that trust in him, then you can do the thing. That's biblical courage. And the more you make a habit of practicing it, here's the really great thing. If you practice biblical courage, the first time it's really hard. Okay, it seems scary, and then you do it again. And then you do it again, and you keep trusting the Lord, and you keep doing the hard thing, and pretty soon, the circumstances don't seem so scary anymore. It becomes something that you can improve in, grow in. When courage is practiced, hard circumstances, bad reports, peer pressure, scary stuff, whatever, starts to become irrelevant to you in the face of him who equips you to do his calling. Because God's bigger than all the stuff you're looking at. It's because God is bigger, not because of you. It's not about you. It's about God. Okay, does biblical courage make sense? Shake your heads up and down. Okay, good. What time is it? What time is it? Oh, come on. What time is it? Thank you. Thank you. Next point. Okay. How Joshua and you can follow God's call on your own. What are you writing instead of and you? Say and I. How Joshua and I can follow God's call on your own, on your own. Now, we just said a little bit ago that Joshua was not a nobody. He was not inadequate. He was kind of a big deal, right? But compared to Moses, Joshua was was small potatoes, all right? He was was Moses' assistant. Think about this. Listen to this list of things that we know about Moses that are kind of famous about Moses. He was... Remember, famously rescued by being put in a little basket on the river. And he was rescued by Pharaoh's family. He became part of Pharaoh's family. He was educated in Egypt in Pharaoh's home. He met God in the burning bush. He was God's messenger to the people of Israel. He did that cool fancy staff trick that could turn into a snake, right? That was cool. Uh, He was there for the 10 plagues. He kind of like administered those things at God's direction. He, for pity's sake, put his staff in the water and split the Red Sea in half. Okay, not too many people can say that that happened under their watch. There was one time when he threw like a branch of a tree in some water that was not good for drinking and it turned fresh and then everybody could drink. He was there to oversee the Lord uh, delivering quail and manna to the people of Israel to feed them. He uh, whacked his stick on a, uh, his staff on a rock one time, and water poured out of the rock. He was there for winning battles. 
He received the Ten Commandments from the Lord on the mountain. He was in the presence of God for 40 days. He was the one who received the plans for the tabernacle, which was like the first temple where the Lord's presence was. He was a big deal. He was a big, big deal. In fact, Moses is probably the ultimate hero of the Israelite people. Okay, If you speak to Jewish people, kind of like the biggest name is Moses. He's a hard act to follow. But Joshua is the one who, after Moses dies, he's got to be the one to keep going. That's, that'd be tough if you're Joshua, right? Now, look at, this is so great. I love this. One of my favorite things in scripture. Look at what Joshua, or what the Lord says to Joshua in Joshua chapter one, verse one and two. Moses has died, right? He's the hero of Israel. And look what it says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land which I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Moses, who did all these things at the Lord's command, the Lord says to him, or says to Joshua, Moses is dead. All right, now here's what's next. He doesn't spend any time going on and on about Moses. Now, that doesn't mean that he didn't love Moses. He did. He loved Moses, and he used him mightily. But the point is that the Lord's plans are not dependent on any one person. Okay, it wasn't up to Moses to accomplish the Lord's plans. The Lord accomplishes his plans, and he does it through people. And Moses had his time, which he was used by the Lord, and now it was going to be Joshua's turn. It was not dependent on Moses. What time is it? Wednesday, a couple days ago, Mr. Marshall started, and one of the very first things he said to you was, youth camp starts now. He said it several times. Youth camp starts now. Youth camp starts now. Well, in a little while, I don't even know what time it is, but in an hour or so, hour or two, youth camp is going to end now, right? Youth camp is going to end now. And so some of you might be like stressing about that because you think, well, the, the rest of life is not like it is here at youth camp. I'm in this community of people and I'm doing things and feeling things and having conversations here that are different than any other part of my life. But is God's plan and purpose changed because youth camp is over? No, it's not. God said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. You, therefore, arise and go. I want you to imagine God saying this to you right now. Let's change the sentence a little bit. God says to you, youth camp, the time that I have given you as a gift in this amazing community of people, this time that I've given you to grow and learn of me is over. Now, therefore, arise and go. It's insignificant to the Lord's purpose that youth camp is over. He still wants to use you to accomplish his purpose in this place. And you might think, 
but I don't know what's going to happen. You know, like what if I go and do the thing that the Lord's asking me to do? I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not around all of these people that I feel like protected when I'm, when I'm here. Well, of course you don't know what's going to happen. That's because we all live in uncertainty. We can't tell what the future is. But it, you don't have to own it. This is why we crossed out the word your at the beginning of the, the message. I don't want you to think of uncertainty as your uncertainty. Like you own this uncertainty and that's where you are, right? Uncertainty is a thing. It's a thing. We don't know what's going to happen. But you don't have to let that be an impediment to you following what the Lord has called you to do. So don't own it. Call it what it is, but don't let it get in your way. Does that make sense? Don't let it get in your way. It doesn't have to be your uncertainty. It's just uncertainty. You are completely able to recognize the situation, to recognize whatever the difficulties and challenges are. You're able to recognize that youth camp, when we leave tomorrow or today, and then you wake up tomorrow and youth camp isn't happening, that youth camp is over. But don't let that be an impediment to following the Lord's will and purpose for your life. Now, if you were to go on and keep reading uh, in Joshua 1, starting in verse 3, you would see all of these amazing promises that the Lord says to Joshua. He's going to give them success. They're going to do all of these things. They're going to win all of these battles. Um, and he reminds him lots of times, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And I don't want to go through all of that. I, I would encourage you to read like that first, those first nine verses of Joshua chapter 1. Uh, maybe that can be kind of your homework after youth camp, you know, like read through those verses and kind of unpack that and pray with the Lord and, and ask him to help you figure out what he's saying in there. I want you to look instead of just how it ends. Joshua 1, 9. The Lord is still speaking to Joshua and he says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord your God is, is with you, not will be with you. That's true. He will be. But it's, you got to think about the word is because is means, right. The Lord God is with you wherever you go. Raise your hand if you have the presence of the Lord with you right now. Okay? Maya, I'm going to pick on you. Stand up because you're a good sport. Do you have the presence of God with you right now? Okay, go back and stand by the fireplace. Did you leave the presence of God up here in your chair? No. Do you have the presence of God back there with you? Okay, go outside. <laughs> Run. <laughs> okay, stop. Maya, is the presence of the Lord out there with you? Yes. Okay, Maya, if I asked you to climb a tree or go jump in the lake or anything like that, does the presence of the Lord go with you wherever you go? Yes, I won't ask you to jump in the lake. Come on back in. Hand for Maya. Okay. Wherever you go to the highest height, to the deepest depth, to the farthest east or the farthest west, no matter where you are, the, the God that you've placed your trust in is with you wherever you go. Okay. I want to just make one last kind of encouragement and then we're going to end. So Aiden, you might want to come on up here. A couple of days ago, I don't remember which teacher said it, but um, referred to God's promise to Abraham. 
uh, I think it was Mr. Wigner, he said, oh, it was. He said, why did God call Moses at the time that he did? And the reason he called Moses was because the Lord had promised to Abraham that he would. Okay, he promised certain things to Abraham. In fact, he promised four things to Abraham. He promised that he would make the nation of Israel into a great nation. Okay, check. He's done that, right? Israel is a real nation with lots of people. He promised that he would make the na- he would make with the nation of Israel a covenant relationship. Check. He did that when he gave them the law. Okay, at the mountain with Moses. He promised them their own land. Check. He did that. In fact, that's what you read about if you keep reading through the book of Joshua. You read about how Joshua went in and conquered all these armies and fulfilled the promise of, from, the, from the Lord that they would have their own land. So check. That's taken care of. The fourth part is that he promised that through the nation of Israel, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Has that happened? Yes, and I even like the answer that said kind of, because through the nation of Israel came Jesus. And that's the blessing to all the nations. But the reason it's also kind of is because it's still happening. It's still happening. That promise, that four-part promise that God made to Abraham thousands of years ago is still going on, and that's the part you're living in. You're living in the ongoing blessing of the nations through Jesus Christ. And the only thing that's left to happen is his return. So when we're thinking about the purpose of God for our lives, people can mess this up because they look at the beginning of Joshua and they see all these successes that the Lord promised and they think, okay, I can like come up with whatever I want to do, like fill in the blank. I want to get this job. I want to do this thing. I want to have whatever. And they think, okay, well, if I just trust the Lord with biblical courage, he will give me those things. That's not what the Bible is saying. You can't just, like, apply that and get whatever you want. What it applies to is fulfilling God's purpose according to his promises. That's why we can sing that song, all his promises are yes and amen. He will always be faithful to his promises. And he's promised to bless all the nations. And your part in that is to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone. Matthew 5, this is the last thing. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says this. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. That's what you're going to do when youth camp is over and you keep fulfilling the purpose of God for your life. You're going to let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Tyler has been wearing a hoodie all week that I love because I keep sitting back there and then I read the back of it. Tyler, stand up and show what the back of your hoodie says. It says, make heaven crowded. Make heaven crowded. I love that. That's what we're doing. That's the purpose of God that we are walking in right now, to take his good news to people so that they can be saved. 
Every part of that promise has happened or is happening. We're living in the last part of it. Arise and go courageously. Let your light shine. And remember, the Lord is with you wherever you go. Amen? Let's sing. Stand up.